This December, we're beginning a series throughout the month, a Christmas series entitled, Wise Men Still Seek Him. And each week of this series, we're going to focus in on a key word from the account, the biblical account of the wise men as they were going to find Jesus. And each week, that word is going to be our focal point. And we're going to look at Christmas through that word. This week, we're going to talk about the word ask. Ask. Many of us have questions. And can I tell you, God is complimented when you ask him a question. In fact, Jesus said, ask and you will receive. In fact, the scripture will tell us we don't have because we don't ask. God is complimented when we ask him a question. God has intentionally made us to be curious people. In that way, don't you like to peek behind the curtain? Don't you like to just know how they did that? Have you ever been to an illusionist show and you see something, you say, how did they do that? It's the intrigue that it just invites our interest. Advertisers know that. Advertisers know that they can make something and sell it to you if it brings pleasure to you or if it informs you, helps you, makes your life better. And if it can't make your life better and it doesn't inform you, they can still sell it to you. They know if they can create intrigue or they can create curiosity with it. How many remember when when it was cool to have and to buy slime. Remember that? Remember the little plastic thing you get the goop out? It didn't do it. You couldn't eat it. It did nothing at all. You just get it out and throw it on the wall and watch it fall on the floor. I mean, and we were intrigued by green slime. And Americans bought it. You see, God has made us intentionally to be curious persons. Curiosity. Uh, do you know a study was done on four-year-olds, and it was discovered that four-year-olds ask 390 questions a day. Yeah. Why is water wet? How much does a shadow weigh? I mean, kids just, they're, they're naturally curious. Uh, a lady who is touted and uh, announced by Guinness Book of World Record as the person with the highest IQ in the world. According to Guinness Book of World Records, the highest IQ in the world. She wrote an article in a magazine, and she says when people find that out about it, they ask her questions. They're wanting to know. They're just curious. So they, the lady with the highest IQ must know everything. So they ask her questions. And she was going through some of the hilarious questions that people have asked her, such as one man asked her that he noticed that geese fly in a, in a V formation. Do the geese know any other letters of the alphabet other than V? Huh. <laughs> yes. Well, someone asked her, uh, could it be a possibility that daylight savings time is, is contributing to global warming with the extra hour of sunlight every day? Huh. We're just curious. Curious. All of those in the dating seat, maybe in high school and Young adults in college or in your career, you haven't married yet, dating. There are two things that dating does. You learn and you like. You're learning and you're liking. And, and they tell us the best way to learn and to build liking is to ask questions. And may I just encourage you, ask all the questions before I do. You want to ask every question possible before I do and not after I do. 
A study was done on questions. There are all kinds of questions. There's application questions. There's synthesis questions. There's collaborative questions. There's knowledge questions. There's comprehension questions. All kinds of questions that can be asked. But all questions of life that we ask in our daily conversations fall into two broad categories, they tell us. And the categories, are they, they say, are low-order questions, less significant, and high-order questions. Low-order questions inform High-order questions transform. Informative questions are nothing more than questions about the past. How was it? Where did you come from? Where were you born? What did you used to do? How was it back then? When you went on your vacation, did you enjoy it? What was the funnest thing you did? They, they, they go into the past or in the present. What are you going to do today? After church, where are you going to go eat? What are you going to do tomorrow? Where are you going to shop? What are you going to go out shopping, Christmas shopping today? What, what? All They're about past or present, that is, low-order questions. High-order questions that don't just inform, they transform. They tell us are questions that direct us to the future. They point us beyond today. And there are many of us, we're caught in the questions of today and the past. Why is this and why did it happen to me? What went wrong and what could I have done? We're caught in the past or stuck or paralyzed in the present. God has a question for you that pulls you to the future. God wants to transform your life. And many of us need to move out being paralyzed in the present and the past. And God is intentionally putting a question in your heart. God is stirring curiosity. Why can it be better? How can I make it better? What can I do to turn this around? What can I do to transform? What can I do to heal this? What can I do to reconcile this? That's a question that takes you into the future. It's a high-order question. Curiosity, it enlightens the mind, but it also awakens the soul. It awakens the soul. God speaks to us in question. In Genesis chapter number 3, when God came to Adam and Eve in the garden, God spoke to them in a question, Adam, where are you? Moses, Exodus chapter 3. He sees a burning bush. He was curious. God came to him in a way that would intrigue him. And the Bible says he was intrigued. He saw the burning bush. He said, I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to see this great sight. Why is the bush burning but not being consumed? He goes on the mountain, he encounters God, hears God's voice, and he asks God a question, who are you and what is your name? What I'm saying to every one of us, God is talking to us in question form. There is something unanswered in your heart, and God is speaking, God is having a conversation with your soul through the question of your heart right now. God speaks to us, and God is saying, ask him, look to him. In Scripture, Matthew chapter 2, you can turn in your Westover app or in your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, where we're going to look at the wise men. They ask a profound question. These men, unknown, emerge from the dust of antiquity, memorialized in the Bible because they ask a question, and the question will transform their life. Let's look. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. 
It says, And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, one version says wise men, the one and the same, Magi or wise men, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, here it is, they ask a question, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What I want to suggest to you in that word ask, in that one statement, that one question, God's going to unfold in their life things that will forever transform them. That is the biggest question they've ever asked in their life. And that was the question God used to enter their life and enter their world. Three insights. Three insights from the wise men that I think apply to every one of us. The first one is movement towards God invites movement by God. Movement towards God will always invite in your life Movement by God. Notice in verse number one in Matthew chapter two, wise men came, the magi came. Movement to God invites movement by God. The magi, they're from the east. In other words, they're from Persia, Babylon. Why? Because many of the Jewish people during the Babylonian captivity, you can study this in your history book, were taken out of Israel as slaves to Babylon. For decades they were there. While they were in Babylon, they set up what was called synagogues. It's a place of learning. It's a place where they would read the Torah and study. It was where the Jewish culture and the Jewish faith was kept alive. Well, the learned people of Babylon were curious about these new occupants and these new people that were in Babylon, and they were intrigued by them. So the learned people began to study the Jewish people their customs, their ways, their culture. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in a conversation, they overheard something from, from Numbers chapter number 24. It's a prophecy about a coming Messiah. And it says that there would be a star, and out of the star would come a scepter in Israel. In other words, there would be a constellation or a star, and when the star appears, it points that there will be a new king in Israel. That got voiced and was, was among the learned and the wise people uh, in the land of that time. And the Bible said these wise people, these learned people, the magi, overheard that. And there was some level of intrigue. They were curious about that. Then all of a sudden, the star appears and they extrapolate. They just say, this must be what the Jewish people were telling in their synagogues of the prophecy, a star would appear and a scepter, a king, would appear in Israel. So what did they do? They were curious enough to go what they thought was a diplomatic mission. They moved and, and embarked upon a journey across the prairie of the desert, guided by a star, brought to the Holy Land. They find themselves in the city of Jerusalem and they ask the question, where is this one? that's born king of the Jews. Here it is. Movement to God invites movement by God. Do you know what the scripture tells us in the book of James? It says if you'll get close to God, God will get close to you. You just start moving God's way. You start asking the question, God, what can I do? 
God, what do you want me to do? God, I'm not sure what I'm to do about this. God, I'm not sure all the details, but I'm willing to give it a try. Just guide me, Lord, show me. Take the, take the question in your heart, pose it to God, give God and his Holy Spirit a chance to answer that question, and God will guide you. Many of us have a question stirring in our spirit. We're saying, I just can't figure out God. The, the, you're focusing on the past and the present, and God said, quit looking there. Your star is in the future. Your star is where God's going to take you. God's not going to lead you to the past. God's not going to let you be stuck in the present. God's going to take you to a future. And God is saying, just ask me the question. Just, just keep asking me, because the more you ask, the closer you're getting to God. You see, God has what I'm going to call attention getters. Has God ever got your attention? Has God ever got your attention? You know what I'm talking about? God ever stepped in and said, God, I know you're getting my attention. I remember when I was a kid, my, my parents had attention getters. If I ever heard my middle name, that was an attention getter. If mom and dad ever spoke my middle name in any conversation, they weren't doing it for identity purposes, okay? It was, it was a way of saying, you had better listen. The interpretation, if my mom ever used, my dad ever used your middle name, it was either you do it or I'm going to kill you. Yes, I was raised in an era when child abuse was not only practiced, it was celebrated. I mean, it was done with, with celebration. I mean, parents would talk. That kid just needs a good whooping. I mean, they would, they would talk about it. I mean, it was just, that was the era. If your parents ever said, I'll wear you out, that didn't mean they were going to take you to the zoo all day long. Oh, you knew, you knew what that meant. My dad could take his fist and he'd just raise one finger out of, his, out of that fist in, in that way and he'd just bonk right on top of that. He could cure you. That was an intention getter. They could get your attention. Do you know God has attention getters in our life? What are some of the biblical examples of attention getters? Well, let me share with you a few of them. First Kings chapter 19 says that God speaks in a gentle whisper. One version says a still, small voice. God speaks in a still, small voice. God does this. Psst. It's not boisterous. It's not loud. And all the clamor of your lie and the busy and the hectic schedule and the chaos going on, God just does this. Psst. Hear my voice. I have something for you. And in those quiet moments, as it were, you hear God speaking inside of you. Another attention getter, Exodus chapter 3, I mentioned it a while ago, the burning bush. God works in miracles. God can work in a miraculous fashion. God can do something that wasn't on the books. God can open a door that could not have been opened. God can overturn something. God can give you a job you're not qualified for. God can open a door. God can close a door. God can deal with things. God can dispel conflict. God can work instantaneously, and you know it's a miracle of God. God works that way. Another way that God has of getting our attention is what called epiphanies, an epiphany moment. This is, a, this is an awakening this is a spiritual encounter moment. This is like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when he had a vision of Jesus and it knocked him off of his horse. There are moments 
God can speak to you in a dream. As it were, you can almost hear an audible voice in your heart and in your spirit, and you know it's God. A dream, a vision. And it's, you, you know you've had a personal encounter with God, an epiphany moment. What are other ways God speaks to us? God speaks to us in our conscience, 1 John chapter 3. It's in that area you know right and wrong. You, you didn't learn it in a seminar. You didn't learn it in a seminar. In fact, this, this is one of the evidences that speaks against evolution. They tell you everything is learned. Do you know a child, before the child can write their name, before a child can spell, the, uh, spell their name out, before they even know the ABCs, uh, but before they're so small, they have a conscience, they have a moral conscience inside of them. You just take a child and you give one child two toys and you give one child one toy and they'll say, that's not fair. Yes, conscience, they know right and wrong. Conscience is not learned. It's innate. It's inside of you. It's in the part of you that God says is spirit and God speaks to you. And sometimes you'll read articles on the internet that says it's all right, but in your heart you say, I know it's not right. Something inside of you says it's just not right. That's your conscience. God is getting your attention. Another attention getter is God speaks in severe conditions and circumstances. Yes, Romans eleven twenty two. Behold the kindness and the sternness of God on those that will hear him and respond. His kindness will be extended but upon those who harden their heart, his sternness. Yes, God can speak in his sternness. People that resist God, people that refuse to obey God, then God can step in their light and he, he'll get their attention. God can turn their world upside down. God can bring his judgment in their life. God will bring the wake-up call. Why? Because he wants to call them back to himself. See, God enters our world by gaining access to our heart. And if you'll move to God with your heart, you just say, God, I'll open my heart. God, I don't understand it all, but God, I'll open my heart. You move to God, and God will move in your life. They came from the east. Number two, I share with you, persistence and not perfection grants access to God. Persistence and not perfection gives us access to God. Some of us are pushing back on that. Stay with me. Say, wait a minute. I thought you had to be good in order to get, I thought you had to do this, I have to do that. If, if, if perfection gave us access to God, we wouldn't need Jesus. You know what? The reason Jesus came is because none of us are perfect. Because I don't want to go to the church. It's full of hypocrites. Can I tell you what? Good. That's where we ought to be. Every one of us, there's inconsistencies in our life. Our hopes and our prayers are this, and sometimes our reality and our experience is this. That is not hypocrisy. That is reality. We're not perfect. Perfection does not give us access to God. Persistency does. It's found right in the text. Look with Rome, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Magi came from the east and asked I'll come back to that word and ask, where's the one that's been born, king of the Jews? Magi, 
The Bible says that they recognized and they got to Jerusalem following the star. What does it mean? They were looking at astrological signs. And they say there's a phenomenon in the heaven. Let's follow that star. The stars give us direction. Do you know that, a, that getting guidance from the stars, astrological phenomenon, is forbidden in the Bible? It's forbidden in the Bible to read your horoscope. It's forbidden in the Bible to go to a palm reader. It's forbidden in the Bible to involve yourself in any kind of mystical uh, things such as guidance to the stars or palm readers. But these men did that. Hence, it's not perfection. These, These men were doing exactly opposite of what the Bible says to do. But it brought them to Jerusalem. It's not perfection. It's persistence. And the Bible says, and they ask. We, we see that little word there, and we think it just, it gives permission to put a question mark at the end of the phrase. There's more to it than that. The New Testament is written in the Greek language. It's translated into our Bible in the, in the English. But there is something in the word ask in verse number two that is not really revealed in the English Bible. It's in the original the Greek, but it's not, it's really not brought out very well in the English Bible. It says, and they ask, where is he born king of the Jews? It's not just the word to pose a question. It, the word ask there means to literally to enumerate, to go down a long list. The best way I could say it, it's walking in and you're asking, you're demanding, as it were, you're pounding your fist on the table. You're enumerating. They, were, they, they went to Herod and say, you need to understand. We've crossed the desert. Do you know how far that is? Do you know what we've gone through? We were going from oasis to oasis, from one watering source to another. Some of our camels didn't make the journey. Our own life was put in jeopardy. We're here. Our reputation is on the line. Our reputation is on the line. We've left everything, our family. We've gone all of this way. We've come here, and I need to know right now, where is the one born king of the Jews? It's a demanding, it's an insistence. You see, it's not perfection, but it's persistence that gives us access to God. And because they were willing to pursue the journey, here's our phrase. Here's our phrase in our language. We tell them, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell them the whole enchilada. That's what we say. We're going to tell them everything. We're going to put the whole story on the line. And some of us, we're there now. We're there. Some of us, we began the year. We didn't think we are going to make it. But here we're to the end of the year. And guess what? You're in church today. Yes. There's a time you were going to question it. There's a time earlier this year you felt like giving up. You felt like things were not working out. January kicked you in the shin. March, the rug was yanked out from underneath you. You hit the early part of the summer, and the greatest heartbreak and disappointment came in your life. You trudged through the summer about that. Some of you feel like you've been on your tiptoes for months, waiting, just walking on eggshells. Some of you are exhausted. But guess what? You're in church today. You're in church today. You didn't give up. Oh, you're not perfect. You could have made some mistakes along the way, but those are in the past. 
Don't ask the past questions. Don't focus on the future, the, the present. Focus on the future. What is God calling you to? Has God got something for you? Absolutely, unequivocally. And God says the champions of faith are people that not look backwards, but look forward and say, God, what can you do and what will you do in my life? Persistence. I hear people say all the time, but pastor, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't have enough faith. I haven't been raised in the church. I've never read the Bible all the way through. I've never even read a book of the Bible. God can't work with me. Yes, he can. Why? Because it's not perfection. It's persistence. And if you'll just keep walking with God, just keep on your journey, guess what? God will meet you. Which brings me to my third thought today. And that is, God is preparing an intersection to meet with you. God is preparing an intersection to meet with you. The Bible tells us in verse number 2, the Magi came, says, We saw the star and have come to worship him. We saw the star and we have come. That kind of sums the whole thing up. The whole thing up is right there. I, I just got an inkling. I heard a rumor. I, I haven't figured it out. I can't explain it all. But I've just got this rumor. I got this hunch. God's not through with my life. I've just got this inkling on the inside. God can still do something with me. And I haven't quit I haven't quit on God. I haven't walked out. I'm not throwing in the towel on my faith because I just have this inkling this inkling that God can do something with me. So I just kept on coming. I kept on holding on. And what happens? God shows up. He shows up at an intersection. And some of you at the corner of sick and tired. And God will meet you there. Some of you at the corner of the boulevard of broken and the highway called hard-headed. God will meet you there. God will meet you at the corner of frustration and faith. God will meet you there. God will meet you at the corner of heartbreak and new hope. He'll meet you there. We walk down life and we think we can't make it. And here the wise men came and they said, we saw a star. I'm here to tell you, God has on star. Amen. He can find you. You've gone down the wrong road. You drove off into the ditch. You made some wrong choices. You did things. You ignored what God said. He has on star. He finds you. He finds you in the most broken, the desperate, desolated places of life. And God doesn't give up. That's what it tells us. We saw the star and we just came. Some of you didn't sleep last night, but you came. Some of you, you're saying life hasn't worked out the way I thought. But you came today. You came. You're reaching out to God. And God will reach out to you. Because when you think there's nothing in your life good left for God, God can't retrieve and God can't fix it and God can't work it out, Jesus shows up. The unseen guest inconspicuously he was with you all the time and you little did you know it he was guiding your steps 
and upholding you in your greatest moment of need. That's God. He never gave up on you. They just came. And I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus. This is a moment of faith. Some of us have been on a journey with God. Oh, we believe, but we've never made a full, wholehearted, committed commitment to Jesus. I'm going to invite you to do that today. Just come. Just come. The wise men did. They didn't have it all figured out. In fact, they got there by doing something wrong. But nevertheless, they got there, and God honored it. And God's going to honor you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to have faith in Jesus. So across this audience, balcony and main floor, please, no one leaving. This is an altar call. Let's, let's respect the altar call, would we? Let's do that. Bow your heads, please, for just a moment. Just bow your heads. Are you on a journey of faith? Are you on that journey? You've just been getting closer to God. You've even, you've even prayed. But your prayer has been, God, help me. God, rescue me. and God, fix it. And God keeps posing the question inside of you. You keep saying, God, where are you at? God, why isn't it happening? God is speaking to you in the question. The question is perhaps not a why or a what. It could be a who. Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? And if you're ready to make a full, wholehearted commitment to Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. If you're ready to come on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Your hand going up is saying, I need a making new moment with God. I need to start with God. I need Jesus to be my Savior. If that's you, on the count of three, lift your hand. Here it is. One, two, three. Is that you? Yes. Yes. God bless you. God's going to honor it. God's going to honor it. Prayer team, would you come forward? God's going to honor somebody else. That's me. That's me. I haven't figured it out. I don't understand it all. That's right. You don't have to understand it. The good thing about God, you don't have to understand him. The understanding comes later. Somebody else. Balcony or main floor. In the balcony, I have prayer team persons positioned in the aisleway to pray with you. In the main floor, right down here, we have prayer team. Deacon and deaconess will be joining me in the front as well, our prayer team. And we want to pray with you. If you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to just stand up and come forward. You know, we're not asking you to join the church. We want to pray with you to receive Jesus. Prayer team persons, as they come, just move to where they're at. Prayer team, move to where they're at. Pastors and prayer team, deacon and deaconess, you're helping us right now. Yes, thank you. Yes, ma'am. You come. You come. We're going to pray with you. No one's watching you. No one's. I remember in moments like this in a service before I came to Jesus, my heart would be pounding. I knew God was speaking to me, and it seemed the hardest thing in the world was to just get up and walk forward to say, Jesus, I need a fresh start with you.
But I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. You see, God has something for you. God wants to do something in your life. You raised your hand. We're going to pray with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I need some of my staff down here to pray with people. They're coming. Thank you. Thank you, staff. Thank you. Somebody else. You didn't raise your hand, but you know you should have. You come. You're the most important thing on God's agenda today. You, you are important to God. Somebody else. How about it? I'm ready to, ready, ready to settle this. I'm ready to settle this. I, I, I've been in indecision halfway. I want to I wanna go all in with God. Is that you? We'll pray with you. Give you that moment. Yes, sir. Somebody will pray with you. Still coming. You come. Yes. Somebody will pray with you. This is your decision. This is your crossroads moment. I want to go all in with God. I need God in my life. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Somebody else across this auditorium, balcony as well. Prayer team persons are ready to pray with you. I'm lingering because I remember being there. I remember being there and the, and the preacher just gave another moment. And it seemed like at that extra moment, I, I seemed to have the, the strength and the ability to get up and move forward. I feel like everything in my heart was was on the line right then. Anyone else? Anyone else? We'll pray with you. Father, right now as we bring this service to a conclusion, I thank you for those who have expressed faith in Jesus today. This is their crossroads moment. They're saying, I'll meet you, God, right here. I don't have to have everything answered. I don't have to be perfect. But God, I'll start with you today and I'll start with you now. And that's the decision they've made. I pray, God, your favor and I pray, God, your strength and your encouragement to be in their life. Father, in the name of Jesus, just make this that transformative moment for them. Encourage them, God. It won't be the past and the present that controls them. God, it'll be you calling them to a better future. And I bless them. And I speak your favor upon God's people today. I pray, God, for the Westover family. Every one of us, we have a circle of friends that we can share Jesus with. We can express God's love. We can express God's presence. We can share Jesus today. The person at the shopping center, the wait staff at the restaurant, the attendant at the door, the coworker tomorrow, the supervisor this week. We can express Jesus in all that we do, and I pray that God let the message of Jesus just ring in our heart and express to everyone. I pray, God, even as we're dismissed right now, that we as people of faith, We'll just baptize this property with the presence and the kindness of Jesus. 
in the hallway, in the parking lot, walking down the aisleway with the person seated next to us. God, let us extend your kindness and your goodness to everyone. I pray that. And I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.